those up, Swindon fans. But you're not there yet. In it goes! Oh, it's gone in! Richard left foot in! What a volley! It's the stuff of champions! It's the stuff of dreams! And Donate races it on goal, and Donate! Hello and welcome to episode 71 of Together a Brighton of Albion podcast. My name is Josh um, and we are well in the midst of the full break for the Albion uh, this week. So no games for the Albion, a couple of games to keep an eye on for the Albion though. Um, of course with Norwich playing Liverpool today, uh, I'm recording this on Saturday. Um, and then of course Villa playing Tottenham tomorrow uh, you would expect that Liverpool will take all the spoils of that first fight uh, and then the second one um, I've got to hope that Mourinho comes out um, and employs his kind of special one ability here uh, and gets them the win away at Villa um, because you know a point wasn't what we wanted last week but if we can come back uh, and see two other teams take zero points next week or this weekend rather I'll take it um, other than that uh, not a huge amount to report in the Albion world right been a pretty quiet week uh, no controversies no uh, no no talking points pretty chill right uh, um, so we'll cover a little bit here a uh, couple of pieces of good news um, Alexis McAllister is on English soil he is back he is ready to go he is match fit and ready for selection uh, the word is that he's going to be ready for selection for Sheffield United. Sure, fine. I don't think he'll be in that squad. Um, I think he may well be. Well, I think he definitely will be in the squad for Palace, though. Um, and if we don't get a good result at Sheffield United, uh, there is a cheeky piece of me um, that thinks he may well actually start against Crystal Palace. Um, so we shall see. But bringing him back is a or getting him. I say back, he never came over in the first place. Um, getting him in the squad and ready to go is, is huge for us. Uh, he's match fit. He's been playing football for a while. Um, he doesn't need to ramp up in the same way as his Kiedo has to. Um, so bring it on. Let's see what he's got. Um, secondly, his Kiedo is back. Uh, I think it's said that he'll be back in full training next week. Um, but, I mean, I'm sure like everybody else, you're, we're all aware that he's probably been in solo training for a long time now, um, or perhaps even taking part in any of the non-contact stuff with the squad itself. Um, you know, it's he's not just going to pop up one day after months of not being seen. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he does. Um, of course, he's had a long time out. Uh, it's going to take a long time for him to ramp back up. But if he can ramp up... Um, and, you know, by the end of March, perhaps for that final run in in April and May, uh, show himself to be the same player that he was when he got hurt. Uh, he could be just like a new signing. Um, him and McAllister coming in could could totally change the season um, in terms of scoring goals, which we so desperately need um, because it's the scoring the goals that seem to be the problem. Um so yeah, good news but all round. Glad to have them back in the squad. Uh, Izquierdo seems to be a real live wire of a person as well as a player. So I think that bit of morale boost can be uh, useful there as well. Um, 
The only other piece of news to cover is Balloon Gate. Uh, I took a lot of abuse on social media for voicing my opinion that I thought it was bang out of order. Um, you know, you would, I would honestly, you would honestly think that I'd, uh, I'd said that it was unacceptable that they were visiting a children's hospital, um, instead of training with the, with the absolute abuse I got in, um, in the, in the mentions and telling me to kill myself in my DMs. Um, so, uh, didn't appreciate it. Not very nice. I'm not going to kill myself. That's rude. Um, but, uh, I still stand by the fact that it's not what I want to see. Um, you know, if you're a team that are struggling uh, and have had a bad season or rather a bad 2020, um, you know, I understand that you're all able to have time off. I understand all of this stuff. Um, but the fact is we've been playing like rubbish. Um, and, you know, when an Albion fan can be banned for, and we've covered this on the show, when an Albion fan can be banned for uh, writing a really, I mean, don't get me wrong, they deserve to be a, a really offensive tweet or something like that. Um, but players can go out um, and be videoed doing this kind of stuff. Um, and whether you want to talk about legality, not legality, who cares? It's not a big deal. Fact is, they're in Spain. Fact is, it is illegal over there if it is what they were doing. Um, and it opens up avenues that the club clearly do not need to be opened right now um, in a situation where we're fighting for our lives. Um, the last thing they need is a couple of million uh, euro fines from the Spanish police because they know they can cash in on the money, just like they did with Neymar and Messi and everybody, all the, all the other footballers. So opening ourselves up to that was, was naive and stupid at best. Um, and I, I, I just, I don't want to see it. You know, if you, if you want to do it, don't get videoed. The, the, the Albion fan, you know, is surprising the amount of abuse I got when I wasn't the one who posted the video. Um, the Albion fan that posted that video needs to have a long, hard look at themselves, uh, and decide just how, how committed they are to an Albion fandom. Because to me, um, you know, I would never in a million years have posted that video if I had, had, uh, had possession of it. It, it seems like it's totally undermining the club. Um, but at the end of the day, whatever the club decide to do, I'll back them. You know, we're fans of the club. It's not going to change. Um, and, you know, if we come out and win the next couple of games, everything will be forgotten, won't it? Um, the thing is, is we also know that if we get beaten off of Sheffield United and then get plastered at Pal against Palace as well and lose that game, um, a lot of the people saying it wasn't a big deal will also be the ones very upset um, and blaming it on that on that video uh, when we get beat by Palace. So, you know, it swings in roundabouts. Um, I get it. It's a tough one. Didn't understand the level of abuse I got, but it is what it is. Um, social media is not kind. So... On to the main event of this afternoon, or this morning, or this evening, wherever you're listening. I hope you're having a nice day. Um, but we have a huge interview this week. Um, Robin and myself were planning on doing a Where Are They Now segment. Uh, it was going to be based around goalkeepers. Um, and I thought, you know what, I'll shoot my shot, um, and I'll get in touch with the club and see if I can't get somebody else on the show. Um, the last time I did it, I managed to get Kirsty Holland from the, the women's team, the women's general manager, and we had a great chat uh, at the end of last season. Um, and, you know, I thought that one of the people um, that would really suit a Where Are They Now segment is none other than Andrew Crofts, right? Almost 30 appearances for Wales, um, a 
really storied career, uh, over 100 appearances for the Albion. Um, so I reached out, I asked the question, um, and the club were more than willing to give me that opportunity. So Robin and I uh, put together a Where Are They Now segment um, with none other than Andrew Crofts. Um, we asked all the questions you asked me on Twitter um, and Instagram and wherever else. Um, and it was a really, really great conversation. Um, he is a top guy. Um, and it's hard not to feel inspired listening to him. I guess that's the reason why I went into coaching and that's the reason why he was a captain of the club. Um, so I'm going to let it roll. Uh, it's about a 40 minute chat. It's really great. Um, if the sound starts funky, it does get a lot better after about 60 seconds. Um, it was just while we were getting ourselves situated, it was a bit funky. Um, but enjoy, uh, any thoughts, feelings, concerns, hit me up, you know, where to find me. Um, and we will see you all next week for episode 72 yeah i've got robin here as well with me he's my co-host uh so we're we're delighted to have you on mate yeah nice one what's up man nice nice to meet you Robin. and you so uh just to give you kind of the long and short of it uh this is a podcast i've been doing for a couple of years and i generally just kind of review the games go into kind of crunching the numbers and all that sort of stuff but me and Robin, we've been doing a segment for a couple of months um, on kind of players and where are they now. Uh, and we've been taking a look at players in Albion's past. And I thought I'd shoot my shot and see if we could get you on, given the fact that you are still with the Albion and have such an, an incredible past with us, like over 100 appearances. Um, yeah. So I figured that it would be brilliant to have you on. So just to give you that yeah, bit nice. of background on what we're about. Yeah, wicked. Nah, nice one, man. Appreciate that. Where, where about uh, in America, you guys? Uh, well, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Robin is still in the UK. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm actually based up in the northeast near Newcastle. All right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But I've actually, I've still got a season ticket. <laughs> Bizarrely. So I, uh, I get to about half the home games generally. Uh, yeah, I've got quite an understanding wife. <laughs> Luckily, in this situation. Uh, anyway, yeah. So yeah. It's been quite sure. a good, it's quite a good segment. So I think, I think Josh sent you a list of questions that we were going to run through, um, yep. and the first one is the the sort of context for it is for fans like Josh and me and that generation of Albion fans who can remember the Wisdean era. Yeah. When you compare where the Albion were when you first joined in two thousand and nine versus where they are now, it's basically yep. like almost talking about two different football clubs. Yeah. It's that it's that far apart. I mean, if you compare, you know, with Dean with the Amex versus training at the university versus, you know, the brilliant facility at Lansing now, it's like, yeah, yeah it's just two different football clubs. So that's the obvious difference. But we were wondering from someone who's got, you know, more than kind of 10 years worth of experience, really, what's the yeah. biggest thing behind the scenes that's changed in that time? Yeah, I think the thing that I've, uh, obviously, apart from stating the obvious, like you said, about the, the facilities, uh, the stadium, the new training ground, um, obviously, they're, they're the biggest changes um, and, and obviously incredible changes. But I think for me, the uh, I think the workforce is in, um, as, as a player, when, uh, like you said, at the Withdean and um, training at the old uh, the university and stuff there, you didn't realise probably um, how many people work for the club. Um, and then obviously with the new training ground and the new stadium, I just 
um, the workforce that goes with the club and the people that um, you don't realise that how many people actually work for the club, um, and they'll and they uh, and obviously being with the academy now with the under twenty three, seeing how many staff and how much work goes uh, behind the scenes um, from player to coach and seeing um, especially what John Mullins done um, with the academy taking it to a Cat One academy that that obviously uh, that makes the workforce a lot bigger in itself because obviously uh, fitting certain criteria and, and obviously um, really improving that side of it and, and, and reaping the benefits of that I think I, I was so surprised how many people work for the club and and, uh, and that environment and culture with that workforce um, has really impressed me and I think that's probably the biggest uh, thing that I've, I've noticed um, what sort of what incredible staff and, and the workforce that that set the club to make it um, make it so special and and uh, me coming back to the club and seeing that like I said uh, I was aware of the facility change because I, I experienced both as a player um, but the the amount of people that work for the club is uh, is astounding really and uh, something that I was uh, blown away by. Yeah, that's it's that's what we were thinking as well. And you're in a fairly unique position, having seen both up close. I mean, we were thinking it's only really kind of player-wise, it's only really you, obviously Glenn, who's who's still around, yeah. and probably Bobby Zamora are probably the only three who have had yeah. that that kind of insight into both. So no, that's really that's really interesting to hear. Yeah, yeah, that was now, that was brilliant. Yeah, now I'm good mates with both Bobby and Glenn as well, so. Um, yeah, we would yeah. be able, like you said, be able to relate to that really, uh, really up, up, up close and personal with that because, like I said, we experienced both, um, and we and and you would see now, like I said, if we was to sort of rewind being at the Withdean and and you like I said, you only see certain people at the training ground and the um, and the stadium, and then now you go to the training ground and you go to the stadium. There is so many people that work for the club and. And doing great things behind the scenes that maybe they probably were still doing a lot of that um, in them years as well. But because um, obviously uh, the club's just grown and grown, and obviously what Tony uh, Tony Bloom and Paul Barber and, uh, have done on that side of it, the like I said the, the workforce and the amount of people there, it, it's hard to remember everyone's names, and that's what I'm trying to do now since I've come back. <laughs> I, I like to try and know know everyone, and, and that, that's hard work because uh, yeah, because there's so many people there, and um, you know it's uh, it's a big operation, and uh, I, I absolutely love it to be fair. Brilliant. Yeah, that's that's wild, really, when you think of the the changes you've had. Um, so you've said you're good mates with both of them, so no pressure on the next one. Um, <laughs> who, uh, throughout your time at the Albion, like you said, you've been around the Albion almost 10 years, 100 appearances for the club, over 100. Um, who was the best player that you've played alongside with uh, during your spells at the Albion? Well, yeah, yeah, that is tough. Um, if I do... Uh, yeah, if, if I do it in two spells, if I do it in my first... My first spell was in the Withdean years. Um, Muzzer would have to be up there um, in, in that initial one. He, he was he, he, he obviously knew where the back of the net was. He was always scoring goals, and, and I knew um, that he would, you know, uh, keep climbing the levels and, and do well and go on to have a, a good career. And that's what what he's done. Uh, the second spell. Obviously, back at the Amex, um, club was uh, in the championship. A uh, lot more 
uh, there was good, real good players in League One as well, but there was a lot more um, talent on show when I come back. Um, the best, <laughs> such, such a tough, that is a proper tough one. Um, I will go with, um, can I go one in each position? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In yeah, the midfield, you go. the striker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I will go with uh, defender, really, really tough. Um, Bruno was obviously a top, top player, a top guy. Um, but for, for me, it was uh, Matty Upson, uh, left-sided centre-half. Uh, and that probably had, to, had a lot to do with uh, my second spell at the club. My uh, best season uh, before I got injured was was playing when uh, when May was in the team and I was playing centre mid and he just had a he had a bad habit of always being able to get me on the ball all the time. Was that the Oscar Garcia season? Yeah, yeah, that's it, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was uh, so good to play with because he, he had that one when it was coming in from the fullback. He would already knew where I was. He'd spot me early and he could just, he'd, he'd, he'd just see that pass. And he'd always be able to play at first time, which enabled me to be able to get on the ball and turn and, and, and then drive or, or play wide and then drive into the box. And he, he was so clever at that. And, uh, and he was a great lad as well, trained, so, so professional on and off the pitch, really cared about his game. Obviously, he was coming from um, having a, uh, a big background in, uh, at the clubs where he'd been. And uh, he, uh, he just spoke so well about football and how we see it and stuff and it was uh, it was infectious on me and I, I had a good friendship with him off the pitch as well um, so yeah it was a close one between Matty and, uh, and, and Bruno on that um, midfielder I would say um, midfielder I will go with Probably, I'd say it's tough again. This, uh, I'd say Liam Bricker. The, the, the season when I saw him back, he had a um, he had an unbelievable season um, before he moved on to Sunderland the following year. Um, so good in the air for a little man, he could he had an absolute leap on him. But um, just just picked up real good positions, broke up the play really well. Um, kept it simple. One of them players that sometimes goes unnoticed, um, but he didn't go unnoticed at Brighton because a lot of um, a lot of the players appreciate that. The fans loved that, um, and he was wholehearted. Loved loved the tackle, um, and and really impressed me that year. And and again, went on to, to obviously get a move to the to the Premier League. So um, he was he was he had a top top year that year there was there were loads of others like your obvious ones um obviously Vincent a was a special talent um didn't get to see as much of him as we'd like just because he was coming to the back end of it but yes uh, unbelievable talent um also you had the likes of um yes so 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 many to be fair now and, and obviously now is a different um different kind of fish like the, the, the amount of talent in the squad's uh, frightening but that's obviously in the Premier League now and striker it'd be, uh, be a close call between Ashley Barnes and, and, and Bobby Bobby Zamora uh, even yeah. again Bobby was coming coming to the end uh, end of his career but I would have loved to have played with him uh, in his peak because again he he, uh, he just had a knack of 
drawing the best out of people around him just because he was such a top guy and had that aura where you just wanted to play well because you wanted to impress him um, because he, he had uh, he had obviously an unbelievable career but he still in training and, and in games when he was he was so infectious so loud and so, so had such a big personality and and big moments, he'd, score, he'd come even in his final year, he'd come up with big goals and just a big game plan. He, he didn't train much that year, but when he trained, he, he was just so noisy and, and so infectious, and I just, I, I, I loved that. Um, and Ashley Barnes was uh, was a player that um, I played a lot of games with, and as a midfielder, I knew, I knew I could always make a run off of him. He was great at holding the ball up. Again, very technically, very good. Probably don't get as much credit as he deserves. On no, absolutely not. He can finish left foot, right foot, um, unselfish again, but but scores scores important goals and, and obviously again gone on to have a have a really good career and again a real real top guy. But they're they're probably the um, standout players. And you know, like I said, there were so many others that um, I could have mentioned, but we wouldn't have time for. No, yeah, Ashley Barnes is Ashley Barnes is a great shout. I think he's a classic case of you don't really realise what you've got until it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, no, I never used to understand it. He used to get, for some reason, he used to, there was a section of the Albion fans that used to give him a lot of stick, and I never used to understand it because he used to score. His goal record was ridiculous, mm. and his work—you yeah. you could tell. There's a lot of strikers that, as a fan, you get frustrated with because you see them; they don't look like they're working as hard in defence as they might do. And he was a player; yeah. he was absolutely all over the place. Loved a tackle. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he was one that I think. A lot of fans would obviously would take him back now in a heartbeat, but he was he was yeah. one that you realised as soon as he went, you could see yeah. the the gap that he'd left in the team. Sorry, Josh. I yeah. You off. No, I, no, I was going to pretty much echo the same thing. Like you, you don't know what you got until it's gone with Ashley, and I'm, I'm glad that he's getting the the recognition he deserves now in the Premier League. I'm glad that he's getting games and goals at the top level because I think for the for the for the fans that saw something in Ashley and liked him, I think we all knew he could pretty much do that job anywhere. Um, and I'm glad that he's doing it at the top level. That's a that's a really great shout. Yeah, yeah I think if you'd asked any centre half at the time who was at the club, uh, who they didn't want to play against in training in a small sided game or a game, it it'd be top of your list because he he's so hard to play against. He's awkward. He puts himself about. He uses his body really well. Again, like I said, he's technically very, very good. Like you don't realise that the technical capability that he's got is is, is top uh, with both feet. And and again, I reckon most most centre halves in the Premier League proved it won't like playing against Barnsley. And um, he's uh, yeah, and he worked like you said, he works really hard to to get the most out of him to maximise what he's got. And, and he's he's gone on and done that. Brilliant. The next question is, I think you've you've sort of referenced the answer to this already, which is. We're thinking about Glenn, and yeah. there's a debate that we that we that Josh and I and a few other fans have been having about that question about who's the Albion's greatest ever player. And yeah. I've all, I'm going out on a limb, and I'm comfortably saying it's Glenn. In terms yeah, of yeah. if you look at the goals that he's, if you look at the journey that he's had, his goals yeah. got us promoted from League One to the Championship. Obviously, yeah. he then left. The less said about that, the better. Yeah, yeah. But he yeah, left. Yeah. He came back. His goals got promoted from the Championship to the Premier League and have kept us up two successive seasons. Yeah. We hope three in a row. So anyway, for me, he's the Albion's greatest ever player. But when you were playing with him first time, you referenced that you thought you, he would have a good career. You know, you thought yeah. he, he would make his way through through the leagues. Did you think yeah. he would make it to the Premier League at that point? Uh, 
you, you know what? You just never know with with strike. It's such an hard call to say, yeah, he's going to play in the Premier League when you're you're playing in League One. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say, you always knew that he would play at a higher level. Um, in and and whatever level that was at, you'd know he'd score goals. Um, I I I I I was always um, under the impression that he would uh, he would go on to to reach the top. Just because I see um, that target player that um, that can get, like you said, get get hold of the ball, bring the others into game, um, scores scores goals all the time, um, and, and is fairly mobile. Like he, he, we obviously know, Muzz is never gonna never be blessed without an outpace. But he, mm. he, he he's, he's more mobile than what people think, um, and especially obviously back back in that um, at, at, in that era where he was obviously a lot young but even now he, he looks after himself so so well and takes care of himself and his body um, that he, he still he still looks mobile and still looks fit and still looks like he's going to score goals and be nuisance to centre half so he's such a credit to, to the club and to himself and his family because uh, I've known Mother for a long long time and uh, he deserves everything that he's got because again he's had to work very hard to get to where he's got to and, and he uh, well, he, he doesn't take that for granted uh, and he's grateful for that but he deserves it um, oh yeah and, 100% and I think I think you're right uh, would I said would he have played in the Premier League like I said you can never say for definite but I always I always thought that he would um, one day be able to reach the top um, but he's, he's done it for probably more years than than maybe what I would have thought um, would have thought say back in whatever year that was say ten years ago um, mm. he's uh, he's he's surpassed probably what I thought um, but once um, once again I always you could tell he, he, he's sort of like for me reminding me of sort of Teddy Sheringham um, that that's all where he's good in the air he's he's got good old up play he's he reads the game so well he gets in good areas. Um, and he's always there or thereabouts, and he's just got a knack of just knowing the game inside out and where the ball's going to land, where the cross is going to go, um, knowing how to use his body. Again, you, you'd speak to centre-halves at the club and, and teams they plays against. It, it'd be so hard to play against because he uses his body so well and, and he's an intelligent footballer. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. even his goal, at, his goal at West Ham the other week was exactly yeah. case in point. The cross came in and you knew that he was going to be exactly where the ball was going to land. And I think yeah. the, quote, the quote that I always remember from him, which I can't remember, it was from a few years ago, he said, I think when he first got to the Premier League, I think a journalist asked him and basically said, you know, did you ever think you were going to get this far? And he said, I'm paraphrasing him slightly, but he basically said, whatever division you play in, the goalposts don't move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is it. basically, which is true. Like, it's, it's, it's knack of always being in the right place. Like you say, his game doesn't rely on pace. It's, yeah. he, he reads the game so well, he's always in the right place. And in terms yeah. of natural finishing ability, yeah. I mean, I say this as a, <laughs> someone without that myself, but you look at him, you go, I'd back him ahead, you know, alongside some of the best in the Premier League in terms of natural ability yeah. to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, like I said, he's got, he, he's got a terrible habit of knowing where, where the goal is, isn't he? he uh, yeah. And he just... Um, you know when Muzz is on the pitch that you got a chance of scoring. Um, oh yeah, and I think he'll bro- and I think he'll break the record. I think he'll break the club's goal scoring record now. I mean, we were saying he's only he's a dozen short. I think he's got thirteen right. to go until he breaks the overall record. 
and I think yeah. he's got 18 more. Well, he's just signed a new contract, hasn't he? He's got 18 months. So if he's if he keeps yeah. himself fit for the next season and a half, he's going to yeah. break the record. And I think, yeah. they say, he deserve it. In my uh, in my book, there's no one who would deserve that record more than he would, given the, what he's achieved. Yeah, if he does that, it would, even if he don't, he's he's well, he's, he's, yeah, he's, a, he's a legend. Yeah, but if he does, then yeah, he, fair play. Like I said, he he, he deserves it. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see him do it because uh, like he's a he's a he's a good mate, great guy, uh, and I'd I'd love to see him do it. I think yeah, he will. I think that, I think he'll yeah, do so it. do I. I think the I think his style of play is so timeless as well. I think you can put yeah. him in almost any era, and he's going to bag you goals. Um, 100%. But talking of the with Dean era, because you know he was there, he's been through it all with you. Um, what was the with Dean like as a home ground for a player? We we know what it was like for a fan, and we were able to see <laughs> what it was like for an away fan. Um, oh, just so about. <laughs> did you? Um, yeah, did you kind of thrive on the opposition? Hate him being there, or like, how was it as a player stepping out there, like twenty plus games a season? Yeah, uh, you know what, I, I quite enjoyed it. I know it, it always had a different feel to it because um, I, I played played against the Alban uh, a few times at at the Withdean for uh, it would have been Gillingham. Um, and I remember like it was always like, oh, this uh, this is a bit strange, like racetrack, except fans quite far away. Um, I think I think it's because I um, I was real young and I, I was make um, it was one of, like I was, uh, Brighton was in the championship. I was at Gillingham at the time. I was in the championship. We played played the Albion on Boxing Day and we lost two one. But I, I scored the goal and I was real young at the time and it was on Boxing Day and um, it felt special to me then because of that. And then when I when I signed for the Albion, I remember thinking I can't wait to play here every week. Just it just felt I don't know why it just felt special to me because I think because I had that connection with it. Um, young lad scoring a goal on Boxing Day, love Christmas. I don't know. I just, I just had a connection straight away with the stadium and 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 with the club. Um, you know where you just don't can't put your wire, but it just it just felt right. Um, and 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 three sort of uh, three spells later, I feel that I still feel that connection with the club. It just meant to be, if you know what I mean. But it was. Um, it was yeah, I enjoyed it. You could tell that club, like players didn't really want to come there and play against you. Um, it was tough sometimes, like you said, uh, because the fans were so far away. Um, even though they was always always uh, quite vocal, and the atmosphere was still, I thought, pretty good for for the way the stadium was built, etc. Um, and I and I had a real good season that year, and 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 obviously under Russell and then uh, and then Gus, and then uh, I ended up um, having a real good connection with the fans because um, I was lucky enough to win Player of the Year that year, um, mm. and I felt really close with the fans and a real real tight bond. And it's a, it felt quite special to me. Um, and then obviously when I come back, uh, obviously when I got bought by Norwich that year, and then come back two and a bit of years later. To see the transformation was just, yeah, it blew me away. Um, and then, and now the Amex is just obviously such a special place. The the, the fan base is, is massive um, in the Premier League, and uh, just so just so far away from what the with Dean was. Um, but I think everyone connected with the club um, sort of appreci- probably appreciates it more because of where you've been and then where you are now. 
I think they re- like everyone associated with the club appreciates everything that we've got now. Um, and I think if you don't go through that through them years, you probably don't appreciate it as much. So I think that's a real strong and powerful um, sort of uh, connection between all the all the people that are involved with the club. Yeah, yeah I, no, I, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the, like we've been through that as well. Like, like Robin said, me and him are of the generation that that were at the with Dean, and we were younger lads then, and we've kind of known how it was from the beginning to be on that rougher side. And it's nice to hear you say such nice things about the with Dean because it's not often many people do. <laughs> but uh, actually, there's there's a lot there's a lot of fans that miss it in a weird yeah. way. Not that you wouldn't yeah. like you say you can't really compare with Dean and the Amex, but like those days, you felt in a weird way because the 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 fan the attendances were smaller you felt like part of this sort of more exclusive club of people that used to sit there especially when it rained because there was no cover you'd sit there like wearing a ridiculous poncho getting absolutely soaked um (laughs) watching whatever game it was but yeah so you're you're spot on about the journey and actually i think Mm. being in the premier league as fans has only sort of crystallized it like i remember we were talking off air just before we came on about the the arsenal game last season where we denied them fourth place and they missed out on the Champions yeah. League for the first time in however long. And you were, yeah. I was talking to Arsenal fans at the Emirates that day and they were like, they were saying, they were like, this is the worst, a lot of them were like, this is the worst day we've had supporting Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, and when yeah, you go, yeah. when your club, when the worst thing you've ever had is missing out on the Champions League, yeah. you sort of feel yeah. like you've not been born yeah. in terms of, nah, I don't want to yeah. get, you know, you don't want to get like on your high horse about it, but you sort of think nah, nah. Yeah. you haven't really been through the sort of yeah. the proper the proper yeah. heartache and the proper difficult yeah. times and i think that's why everyone enjoys no one's taking the premier league for granted but i think people yeah. realize that even having even having the amex even without the premier league even if we were in the championship yeah. it would yeah. still be still be better yeah. but anyway um yeah. what we're just going to move on so, so you've, you've made the transition from from being a player to being a coach what's that yeah. been like has it do you get the same buzz when the team that you're coaching gets a win or is it, is it something I've, you know, I've heard interviews with, with other footballers who've, who've gone on to coach and a lot of them have said it's very difficult to replicate the buzz of, you know, being a player playing in a game and getting a win or scoring a goal or winning a title or whatever it might be. But what's it been like um, becoming a coach? Yeah, obviously um, with, with my role, because um, I don't know if you're a bit, um, because I'm still registered as a, I'm a player coach for the 23. Yeah. So my transition into it is uh, has been. I've been really lucky because I'm still playing and training a little bit. All being it's obviously not first team football, which you know um, I re- I do miss it. I do miss uh, the buzz of uh, getting ready for your game at the weekend, knowing how much rides on it, what it means to fans, what it means to the club. Um, that that side I, I, I miss, um, but because I'm still play, I, I train quite a bit with the with the boys and 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 have played quite a few games with, um, this season. But alongside that, I've done um, a lot of coaching as well. Um, so I've got into a routine of um, working it really well with Simon Rusk and Shannon Roof. Where some days I'll train, sometimes uh, days I'll coach. Sometimes I'll be in the dugout with them, or or some days I'll, I'll be on the pitch. So my transition into it's probably been a lot smoother than saying, right, yeah, you're stopping playing, you're literally coaching 100% of the time. Um, but uh, the coaching side of it, I've got 
I've proper got the bug. Um, absolutely love it. Um, done done my B license and A license with the Welsh FA, hoping to get my pro license. Um, and I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, love uh, working with the younger players, trying to help them in any way I can on the pitch, um, the guidance off the pitch, the sort of mentoring side where, look, football, football's tough. It's, it's the best job in the world. Um, and I love it more more than anything and I've been so lucky to, to make a career out of it but it's tough um, and to go out and guide uh, young players through good times bad times getting prepared for that is something I'm really enjoying um, love being out on the grass love planning the sessions um, and then love seeing uh, either individuals or the team taking that on and, and, and uh, applying that into their game or the actual games uh, um at the weekend or, or whatever day we play yeah it's um, it's something that I'm really enjoying got a bug for and I just want to keep learning and, and hopefully one day look to look to manage brilliant no see you see right it is you've got you have taken if I was to if I was going through that myself I'd want to do exactly the way you're doing it like anything if you go cold turkey almost um, it's always going to be difficult oh great yeah and I think I think probably transitioning within the club too that you know and have spent so much time at I bet has been kind of even easier for you to ease that transition yeah definitely um, uh, it was obviously well documented like I, ever since I left uh, the clubs uh, three and a bit years ago I was a first team player and, and signed for Cholton I was in constant dialogue with um, with the club Paul Barber um, uh, and, other, uh, and other staff and always was waiting um, for that opportunity to come back at some point. Um, obviously, wanted to play first team football for as long as I could, um, and then wait for hopefully an opportunity to come back one day. And then, and then obviously, when Liam uh, Rosini went to Derby, I'd, I'd signed for Yeovil's first team to be a player coach there. Um, but then got a call from from Paul and, and, and the guys at the club to see uh, whether I was interested in coming back to, to do the role that, that I'm, I'm doing now. And, it was a no-brainer. It was. Um, I was so happy to to be to be sort of that full off to, to they they wanted me to take take that role, which was um, which made me obviously feel good and feel feel a big part of uh, of what they wanted to do moving forward. Um, and uh, I just couldn't wait to come back to the club. I'd, I'd I'd missed it for the three years that I'd left. I hadn't felt the same about football. It, um, albeit I still loved it. Um, and and. I'll always love love football because that's it's just born into me. But I never after my two knee injuries um, and then the second spell uh, uh, Brian, I never I never felt I got back to quite the level that uh, that I'd reached. Um, so I uh, I was always um, just just wanted that little bit more from something, and then and now I feel I've got that. Um, the club means a hell of a lot to me. It's a special, special club that always wants to keep moving forward. That always wants to keep getting better, and that's and that's how I feel like that's my personality. I always want to try and improve myself uh, in any way I can, and and that's what I want to look to do in in my coaching career, and like I said maybe one uh, one day managing career. That's wicked. Um, I mean, I think I'm going to be so bold as to speak on behalf of pretty much every Albion fan and say we were delighted to have you back. So Yeah, 100%. Um, 
So, I mean, you've had a heck of a career, really. You've you've been all over the place. You've represented Wales for quite a fair bit of games as well. Um, you've had a career that a lot of uh, a lot of players will be jealous of. Um, who would you say was your favourite manager to work under, and why would you say that? Yeah, no, like they're, they're so tough questions because I've been lucky again to, to play with a lot of good players, but to, to work under some real top managers. Um, it, 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 club football, um, obviously, I got promoted with Norwich to the Premier League um, from the Championship under Paul Lambert, and then had a year in the Premier League uh, with Paul Lambert with Norwich. Um, and as a as a as a kid, as a player. Uh, it was always a dream to, to play in the Premier League. So my my spell under Paul Lambert was amazing. Um, top manager, top guy, uh, obviously a midfielder. So I had that relationship with him where I learned a lot from him, uh, and, and absolutely loved playing playing for him. Uh, my managers uh, at Brian again, so lucky to to play under some top managers. Um, Gus Oscar Garcia, um, obviously Chris Hewitt. Sammy, if it didn't go quite the way uh, that, that the club wanted or Sammy wanted, but again, a top, top guy uh, uh, who had a, obviously an amazing football career, just did work out as, as a manager of Brian. And then um, my national coaches, I was, again, very, very lucky. John Toshio gave me my debut. Um, Gary, Spe- Gary Speed and Chris Coleman, two, both of them were uh, massive for me. I learned so much from them. Uh, as people, as managers, um, they really like both of them. Made me feel that you could do anything, like if you believed sort of thing. They had that such a um, good man managers who were both really good on the grass, but just could hold rooms where he was like, I can't wait to get out there and play for you. I really just like just wanted to play for them. Um, so yeah, Chris Coleman, Gary Speed, uh, national managers and. I'd have to say um, Paul Lambert um, and then a close sort of close three of Brian with sort of uh, Gus Oscar and, uh, and, and Chris um, so like I said very, it's hard to pick one that's very lucky to have played under some uh, top managers No, good yeah like I said a really good good selection of uh, good selection of managers I think from us it's always difficult. Uh, it's the same question. It's like as a fan, if if you if you know if you if you were asking us who's the best Albion manager, you know, whilst you've been a fan, it's similar. It, they're all different. They're yeah. all great in different ways. Yeah, yeah. It is yeah. very tough. I mean, that the season under Gus, just after you left, where we won League One, yeah. for a lot of fans yeah. of our generation, that is yeah. like pound for pound the best season that we've ever yeah. had because the football that we played the the way we dominated the league, yep. just played, you know, we had, there were some really good teams in the division that year, like Southampton were in there, and the fact yep. we played all these teams off the park. But again, you say, Chris Hewton, Oscar, they're all, you know, it's very difficult. Like you say, we've been lucky yeah, yeah. as players and fans oh. to um, to have that. The final yeah. one of our questions before we move on to the sort of very quick, quick far ones is, do you have a dream coaching or managerial job that you'd like to do one day if you could if you could pick anything yeah uh, definitely yeah um, I'd love uh, to one day coach uh, managing the Premier League um, obviously yeah it'd be an absolute dream come true to, to do that with Brian um, 
and uh, obviously I played played under 1921s and uh, and the full squad for for Wales. So it's, uh, probably a bit ambitious, but maybe to one day manage a country would obviously be uh, would be be uh, an incredible um, achievement as well. But yeah, they're 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 sort of top top end targets that. Again, like I said, as a, as a player, I was always ambitious, wanted to fight for, for stuff. Um, but I'm at the start of my sort of coaching, um, managing, managerial thing firm down the line. But for me, I want to want to try and be a, a top top coach for for as long as that may be. And then and then, like I said, one day hopefully manage. I was always captain at a lot of clubs, so I like leading groups. Um, got a lot to learn, and and, and working under some great people now, um, with Simon Ruskin. And obviously, seeing Graham Potter from uh, from afar, uh, he's uh, from from what I've been able to see, sort of um, when I've been at uh, obviously been been at the training ground every day with the 23s, and sometimes you're able to see some of the work that they're doing. Um, been very very impressed uh, by that, and and, ho- and hopefully can see see more of that while while I'm at the club and um, and see people like Graham Potter work and and his staff. You're only going to learn and get better through that. And, uh, you know, there's, I think as as a player, you always wanted to learn from the best coaches, managers, and, and players that you was playing with or against. And that's no different now. Surrounding yourself uh, or being lucky to be surrounded by um, people like um, obviously the Gaffer uh, and Simon Rask and, uh, and Billy and uh, Bjorn and, and Bruno and, uh, and Ben Roberts, uh, um, Shannon Roos, our assistant, and, uh, and all that, all these sort of people, Casper Anglican, like just real good people that. You can just learn from, and uh, and I think um, that's for for me to to learn from these sort of people who uh, are doing great stuff is is such a a lucky position to be in, and, and something I'll take full advantage of. Yeah, yeah awesome. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, why not aim high, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, you've got to. You've absolutely got to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. I've, like I said, always ambitious. You've got a long way. Long way to go, um, but that's uh, that's that's yeah, that that would be a dream one day, um, a lot further down the line to, to maybe do that. I'm only I'm only 35, so you know it's, um, I'm still young, um, it's ambitious. But I said I've got uh, got a prime prime couple of years now with uh, with the 23s and, and see where that takes us after to really sort of learn me trade. Um, and and like I said, still still I'm still playing a, a bit as well, so I'm still making that transition and uh, and learning loads. Yeah, I think that's wicked. Um, you've already given us a ton of time today, um, so thank you for that. Uh, I do have a couple of um, a couple of fan questions that have come in um, that I'll just kind of fire off at you real quick, and then we can wrap up if that's okay with you. Yeah, no worries, mate. All right, perfect. Um, so, which of the current under twenty threes that you're working with do you think has the highest ceiling? Highest ceiling right now, um, probably Hayden Roberts and Teddy Jenks. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think it was it was Roberts that scored in the uh, Carabao Cup, right? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah centre back. Yeah, it? yeah. Um, with Potter's reputation for that flexibility in tactics, um, how big was the change for you at the under twenty threes um, when that transition from uh, Chris Hutton from Potter took place? Uh, and kind of what things, uh, what parts of the game are the under twenty threes working on now? Um, perhaps more than before. Uh, obviously, because I work with the 23s under Chris, it's a little bit um, tricky to gotcha. answer it. But what I will say is, um, I think uh, 
we've got obviously the 23s. We've got a style, uh, style of player philosophy of uh, of how we want to play, uh, and that is um, you know high energy, like to keep um, possession based, um, be hard to beat. So it's, it's fairly similar principles to to what um, the first team do, all being like obviously um, the first team have got a real uh, style under the gaffer that we try and try and sort of. Um, implement as much as we can um, with obviously with our squad um, so hopefully one day as we've seen a couple of them have already gone up this year hopefully um, further down the line we can get a few more and I think the, the closer we can get to, to how the gaffer um, plays now he wants the, the players to be when they come up um, that's so important and uh, hopefully you know like I said we can we can keep doing that and, and if they're if they're good enough um you know, a bit of luck, right time, all that sort of stuff. Hopefully, um, we can we can start feeding a few more up there. Um, all being this, obviously tough because it's the Premier League um, and it's uh, so competitive. But um, the Gaffers obviously gave gave a few chances out already this year, so it's a real good incentive for our under 23s and 18s. That you know, if there's that pathway um, where the Gaffer does give you chances and he does believe in, in if you're good enough, you're you, you could you could end up playing. So it's a massive, massive incentive for us. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, I think it's like anything, right? If you can see your mates going up and doing the same and proceeding up that pathway, it's got to be a huge boost for you. Um, yeah. Final question from Tony on Twitter. It's uh, not the definitely the last question, but possibly the most important. Uh, what's your favourite biscuit? <laughs> favourite biscuit, mate. Uh, you know what? Just just past Christmas as well, mate. I I love a bit of shortbread at Christmas, mate. Um, oh, good shout! We, uh, yeah, we had a little bit of like it's my first Christmas off in about twenty odd years because twenty threes get a little bit of a break over Christmas. Uh, I had a few more shortbreads than what I, what I have done over because <laughs> I I enjoyed them, mate. I think that is a brilliant answer to finish up on. <laughs> Um, thank you so much. You have been an absolute pleasure to talk to, and thank you again yeah, for making definitely. the time for us. Yeah, no worries, chaps. No worries. Thank All you. Right. Have a great rest of your day, mate. Yeah, Andrew, boys. Nice being Thank you. Chaps. Take care. You too. All, All right. right. Cheers. Bye.